Hi, my name is Paul Dunay, and welcome to another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast. Welcome to another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast. I'm your host, Paul Dunay. Today, I'm speaking with Bob Boudet, founding partner of the Bloom Group and co-author of the book, Thoughts on Thought Leadership. So welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thank you, Paul. So today, we're going to explore some of the secrets of making thought leaders. So Bob, do you have a process for making a thought leader? Uh, We do. And you can think of this process as having three parts. Uh, The first part is developing the content, developing what we call the point of view. The the second, and I'll go into detail on all three parts, but the second part is is then creating a a plan, a marketing plan for how to disseminate that point of view into the marketplace. And that would include what publications to submit articles and op-eds to, uh, conferences to to secure speaking opportunities, blogs to to post comments on, uh, and so on. The third part is around executing the marketing plan, and uh, this is where a lot of uh, thought leadership uh, marketing campaigns uh, kind of make or break it. So let me go back to the the first point, the development of the point of view. Uh, We find that um, if you have great content, uh, a great uh, point of view compelling, uh, and and we look at uh, kind of seven hallmarks, seven criteria for a point of view. as as defining um, how strong a point of view is, and I'll go the, into those in a second. But okay. uh, the great the great a great point of view uh, can overcome uh, the two uh, uh, mediocre uh, execution of the two other pieces that I mentioned. If you right. don't have great content, if you don't have great content, and I would argue most points of view that I read in the marketplace by consulting firms and and and. Uh, we, we focus on more than consulting firms. We look at our market as all professional firms. But most company of the content, excluded, I, I'm hoping. Uh, yes, <laughs> we'd like to think so. But most yeah. of the content out there is what, what we would say is at best is mediocre. And so even calling it thought leadership, we think, is, is, is uh, not appropriate. So if you have great content, that solves a lot of your problems. Um, you don't have to uh, spend as much money on marketing it, we would argue. Uh, in fact, uh, marketing it in just um, a, um, a number of places, such as getting a Harvard Business Review article, such as writing a book, uh, um, rather than a broad uh, campaign, can actually get you more leads and, and more business than uh, than if the, the the content is mediocre and you spend a lot of money on the right, market. So how do you get how do you get great content though? How do you get great content? That is, yeah. is you know what people look at as the holy grail. Yeah, uh, we really think it it comes down to uh, to doing um, either a lot of research on a topic if your firm has not done a lot of work in that area, and I could talk to you about how the concept of business reengineering came about. Uh, 15 years ago uh, or more. Uh, I'll do that in a moment. Um, and if you don't, uh, if you ha- if your consulting firm has a lot of experience, uh, a lot of client experience, then it's really a matter of capturing that client experience and seeing the patterns uh, as to 
you know, you know, what were the approaches your firm took to get those kind of results? So how do you, you know, so how do you develop thought leading ideas? It really begins, I think, with having a um, a very different take on some business problem in the world, a, a very different diagnosis of that problem, and a radically different way to solve the problem. So if I come to market with a point of view that is basically, say, what Michael Porter said 10 years ago with a 5% difference, uh, that to me is not thought leadership, and that's not going to generate a lot of interest. Uh, the, um, the power of thought leadership largely emanates from how different the point of view is, how different your diagnosis of the problem and, and the way to solve it is, and how much validity, how much proof you have that your prescriptions actually work. And when I say validity or proof, I mean uh, in-depth case studies of companies that, in effect, that either were your clients uh, or were companies that you studied that, in effect, implement, solved a problem the way that you're prescribing companies uh, overall uh, to the way they should solve it. And that proof, that validity, uh, really has to come in the form of, of companies that you identify and companies that are willing to talk about and quantify the results they achieved. So a lot of the white papers and uh, um, speeches that I hear consulting firms give, they will either present, they'll, they'll present some problem in the world and how to solve it, and they'll go very light on examples of companies that have solved the problem their way, the way they're thinking about, and uh, and often they don't talk about results at all. And we look at that as um, interesting theory without any proof. And so if you go back and look at the, the example of business reengineering, and I was at the, the firm that uh, with Michael Hammer was responsible for bringing reengineering to the world, circa 1989-1990, so almost, I guess, almost 20 years ago. Uh, one of the things that made re-engineering a, I guess, a blockbuster concept uh, in the 90s for Index and many other consulting firms was that Hammer and Index could point to at least a dozen examples of companies that they named that had significant results from re-engineering projects. Most thought leadership stops uh, short of providing well, well short of that yeah, yeah well short of that and again this gets back to my statement about if you don't have good content and content isn't good unless you have the proof of uh, solution then you can waste you'll wind up wasting a lot of marketing dollars trying to get that content mm-hmm. getting people to respond to that content but it seems like the pace of content is much faster now right so the 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 idea of having that really cogent, you know, paper that's well thought out, that's got, you know, 12 in-depth case studies. It's great. I'd love to get there. But yeah. I, I may not always be able to get there from where I'm standing right now. And also, if it's if it's sort of like we're taking a flyer, we're taking a, a different look. Like, like, take the financial crisis currently. Here, sure. Here's what we're thinking today, which obviously could be different a week from now, right? I mean, sure. you know, based yeah. on the speed of the market, right? So the market's moving at a certain speed. Content's moving at a certain speed. I'd seen a stat that said, you know, that there's more content on the blogosphere than in the Library of Congress, and, and the refresh rate of that content that's going up there is, you know, it used to be that you put something on your homepage, and it was okay for like six months, right? And then, mm. then that became like, okay, 
three months, and then it was like, all right, like three weeks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and now you got you got bloggers who are blogging. You know, Seth Gooden blogged three times today already. Yeah. Right. So his his website's changed three times. You know, in one day. Sure. And, and I still got the same homepage up from last week. Right. So how fresh does that look in comparison? Right. right? It's like, whoa. How does that sort of work? So yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I'd love to get there, but is there a way that it that it could be light? You know, whatever you were saying, but a light version of it. It it certainly could be um, without although, it being horrible, right? I mean, you know, yeah, without it being horrible. I mean, if it's horrible, then then you know, again, I would suggest not spending any any marketing dollars behind horrible ideas or or even mm-hmm. mediocre ideas. It's just not. It's, you know, there's there's um, conventional wisdom is in, in professional services uh, is uh, publishing something is better than publishing nothing, and I actually think that that's wrong. Because I think for a professional services firm that's trying to position itself as an expert on on the areas in which it consults, um, publishing something that is pretty shallow um, can actually erode your brand. And so I think you're actually better off not publishing on something if you have a, a, a mediocre or poor point of view on it than you are publishing it. The but on the issue of well you know we don't have time uh, and by the way reengineering the the concept of reengineering took at least I would say two years to develop package and bring to market we don't have that kind of time today you know which yeah, I think is what definitely. you're pointing to Paul we just companies don't have that time so how do we accelerate that we certainly know we can accelerate the marketing of the concepts right because of all the things that you pointed to but the question becomes well how can we develop concepts faster and the tools mm, that is exist a good i think you know the tools exist so the ability to survey people the cost of doing surveys as you know has gone down dramatically in the last, since the web so the cost of doing a survey a paper survey 15 years ago you know could have run in the at least 100,000 if oh, you yeah. went to one of the major survey houses mm-hmm Right now, today you get on SurveyMonkey. You can design your own survey. If you can drive people to that survey site, uh, your costs are next to nothing. Although the, you know there, there often can be a cost of getting people to find out that there's a survey to take. Right. So the, I mean, so yeah, that that spectrum is so wide now. It yes. could be a hundred thousand. It could be forty bucks. Yes. You, know, you could you could be in India for a couple of thousand dollars, and they're actually cranking out reasonable. You know, tr- it's sort of a, a very a quick uh, turn kind of a, a thing, uh, and then you know when you get into the the really well thought out you know thought leadership maybe with a media partner a an economist an FT that's you know in the forty fifty thousand dollar range but you know or there, more. there's or more yeah, yeah sure definitely yeah. Um, so there's many ways to skin that cat these days there is although you know what I would argue is and maybe technology can help us. But the, the the best kind of research, the research that leads to, you know, quote-unquote, real thought leadership, mm-hmm. uh, to compelling ideas like re-engineering, is research that comes in the form of case studies uh, versus surveys. So um, uh, case studies, meaning getting into a company and talking to a number of people, you know, it could be uh, a dozen people, about how their company addressed some issue, the issue that you're trying to create thought leadership on, and getting kind of a 360 uh, view of how that company addressed the issue. Looking at, say, even 10 companies, five of which um, solved the problem very well, and the other five which did, uh, you know, uh, didn't do as 
as well, so you have a point of comparison. Mm-hmm. That kind of data uh, will speak volumes uh, if you take the time to analyze it. Mm-hmm. And that is really the method by which reengineering came to life. So Hammer right. and, uh, and Index did you know, in-depth case study research on several dozen companies uh, back in the late 80s. Uh, those that were getting a lot of payback from IT and those that weren't. And it was through that kind of intense examination of, of practices where where Hammer and Index noticed the trend of, you know, don't don't automate old bad processes, you know, start from a, a clean slate. Right. So today we look at that and say, oh, well, that was, a, that was an easy insight. Well, it was not so easy an insight. <laughs> I mean, that was based right. on a lot of really rigorous... Uh, yeah. analysis, and after d- discussing with many, many companies what they were doing with IT. So I would argue right. the same opportunity, the same process has to be used, or the same outcome has to happen, which is you have to get into companies and really find out what's working and, and what's not working, and research enough companies so you have enough points of uh, data points to be able to say, well, I think you know th- the way to solve this problem is by doing X, Y, Z. It reminds me of that um, that adage: an overnight success took 20 years, right? It's almost, <laughs> you're, so you're saying the same thing; it's just applied in a very yeah. different place, which is this, you know, thought leadership, you know, yeah. that, that that took them two years, you know, to get there. Um, right. Shifting gears a little bit, you know, right. is there a need to create a culture that's receptive to being a thought leader, or to to creating thought leaders? Uh, there is, although I think that's. Um it's a hard it's a hard thing for a professional firm that really hasn't marketed on this basis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess what I would say is you have to change the culture ultimately, but you have to change it, but the change will come very slowly. And the only way you you have a chance of even changing the culture slowly is you have to show how thought leadership gets results. And by results, I don't mean measuring things such as press hits, you know, how many publications wrote about this study, let's say, that we uh, mm-hmm. conducted and, and publicized. Uh, because at the end of the day, the, the, the heads of a professional firm want to know, and you know this, Paul, how many yep. leads did it generate? Yep. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, show me the money. Wow. <laughs> you know? I've heard that one before. Yeah. You yeah, mean we can't me... measure it on downloads? Yeah. I'm just uh, no, you can't. Um, you know, it's 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 a sign. It's certainly a sign. You know, obviously, if you get a, yeah, a five hundred dollars indicator too, yeah. it's an indicator. Yeah, but we ha- we have to track it to leads. And you know, does a piece of uh, does a study or a piece of thought leadership is that the sole reason why uh, a, a client buys from us? Of course not. But if it mm-hmm. precipitates the inquiry, then I think it can it can take a lot of credit. Right. Precipitates a conversation that can be had that that can be quantified and tracked in in a in a pipeline and et cetera. So, you know that that that's how I tend to look at it, look at it. Yes, exactly. And you know when you when you're able to hold up the mirror to the partners of the firm to say, look, last year, you know, we spent whatever four million on thought leadership marketing, and uh, out of that, a um, hundred leads came in. Twenty uh, percent of those were converted, and those projects, you know, were an average five million. So, you know, you do the math and you figure out oh, it's a pretty good return, you know. Right. And, exactly. But without without those numbers, without those numbers, the culture, uh, you know, a culture being more receptive to thought leadership, the culture won't change. 
Yeah, um, definitely. You know, and I think you for for a professional firm, let's say a smaller firm that has not done this before, even showing them success with one thought leadership campaign is critical. Because right. you know there there's a lot of skepticism. Uh, there's a lot of skepticism toward any kind of marketing in, in professional services. Yes. Yeah. So, but uh, but you know, I think I think I noticed that. Hey, yeah. so is the, on the flip side of that, is there any? I mean, it, it, can a company produce too much thought leadership? Right. So they get enamored with this thing all of a sudden very quickly. You, you know, you've done one. You've done a remarkable job with one. You know, now everybody wants to do one. Can the company produce too much thought leadership? Uh, yes, uh, it certainly can. Although, let me answer the question on two levels. So, okay. the first level, and this may sound a little contradictory, but on the first level, the answer is no. Uh, and, and, and when I say that, I mean uh, few professional firms, even the largest consultancies, uh, develop what, what I would consider compelling blockbuster points of view. So, you know, I think consulting firms, uh, in this case, um, Need to need to uh, invest more in in coming up with blockbuster points of view. Mm-hmm. So um, so on that level, you know, are, are, are consulting firms really producing too much thought leadership? If thought leadership is def- is is you know really really compelling points of view, I, I, I again I don't see a lot out there. Okay. So, but on the second level, and, and I think one of the reasons there really are so few compelling ideas is that professional firms don't focus their thought leadership R&D spending, if you will. They'll, they'll kind of follow the, the let a thousand points of light shine um, approach. Theory, yep. yeah. Which is, uh, you know, they might be successful with one piece of thought leadership, and then all of a sudden you've got every partner in the firm, you know, writing, uh, writing uh, his own uh, essay, and then the you know a hundred partners over a year go to the marketing head basically and and, and say basically you know I need you to publish this <laughs> and I need before some before the end of the year it. too by the way yeah. yeah before the end of the year it's in my goal setting yeah I guess yeah exactly exactly and you know you you letting a thousand points of light shine is not an effective um, approach either. Mm-hmm. And, and, so how do you prioritize? I mean, that, that's another question I had for you. Yeah. Like, how do you prioritize all those thousand points of light? Because I certainly get them too. Well, the prior, you know, the prioritization I think has to be, you know, this is where the marketing person has to say, you know, I really think out of let's say these twenty ideas that people have come to me with, partners and others have come to me with, out of these twenty ideas, I really only see two of them that really have any substance here. You know, they really have any any any. Real potential, meaning, I really think that the, the, this person or, or persons are, are saying something very different, and I really think they have the proof, the client experience, and the numbers to show that um, the, the the efficacy of the approach. I really think uh, they have the proof to to uh, write a compelling uh, point of view. Hmm. So that's to say, look, I'm going to put the marketing. You know, I, I, I'm in, I'm the steward of the marketing dollars. I'm going to let the other 18 know what they have to do to make their ideas more more uh, noteworthy, and hopefully they'll come back to me in a couple of months with the case studies and this and that and you know uh, very, very different points of view. But I'm going to for now put my marketing dollars behind the two that I really think are the most promising candidates, hmm. and that's what we're going to focus on. Right. So it sounds like you're you're leaning towards the. You want to go towards the blockbuster 
model. I like that term, by the way. I'm going to end up, yeah. you know, co-opting that and giving you credit for it. But the the blockbuster pieces uh, as as the priorities, rather than the thousand points of light. So it, well, but, so out know, of a thousand, we call we 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 only take the the top gems. Yes, is that a fair um, statement? Yes, I think it is. I mean, and, and it's, okay. it may not have to be an either-or thing. So, in other words, it may not be. We, you know, we're only going to fund two ideas this year. All the hundreds, uh, you know, the hundreds of you that are, you know, not not um, uh, part of those two ideas, you know, we will do nothing. It doesn't have to be that. Yeah. But I think it's a matter of degree. So, if you say, "Look, I'm going to spend on my thought leadership marketing dollars," I'm going to spend seventy percent on of it on a handful of ideas that I think really have promise and the other 30% on, you know, a couple dozen things that I think have lesser promise but are still worthy of getting to market. It's that kind of thing. As opposed to saying 100 partners coming to you each with their own point of view and saying, you know, I want one 100th of your thought leadership marketing budget. Right. What we call spreading the peanut butter too thin. Yes, in, in yes. our organization. Yeah. Yes. And what so happened, how do you get how do you no. get the right cadence out of that? Right. I mean, the 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 organization needs a certain amount of you know publishing. I mean, I, I begin to think of it, and maybe this is thinking a little bit too much like a publisher, but mm. I, I really think of professional services firms as mini publishers. And I mm-hmm. I watch the New York Times. I watch you know Information Week. I watch you know uh, the, those that go before a CIO magazine. And these I have friends in all of these places. As and Watch how they're using social media and new techniques and how they're rolling that in as a guiding post for us. And, yeah. and then I look at their publishing calendars and I'm like, okay, this is the way we need to act. Yes. Um, although we can't always get there. And, and the blockbusters, so maybe the blockbusters are, you know, you have a, a spring blockbuster and a fall blockbuster and you got some other, you know, mini blockbusters. So I guess I need another term that yeah. goes with that. Um, so how do I get the right cadence out of that for, the, for an organization? Well, you certainly, it's certainly an issue. I mean, the, what, what I would say is the blockbusters, and, and maybe that term, you know, there, there are only a few blockbusters, right? I mean, you know, yeah. there, there are only a few. Uh, By definition, there only can yeah. be a few. Right. Uh, you know, so most movies, you know, very few movies are blockbusters. Very few pharmaceuticals are blockbusters. Most are, are uh, much, much smaller hits. Mm-hmm. So, but... If you ha- if you focus if you say look I'm going to spend most of my money on fewer but bigger hits that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to publish fewer articles or do fewer speeches or do fewer webinars seminars etc. What, yeah. what it means is you you need to milk those those bigger points of view for more publishing opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back in my right. days at Index I was the number two person in marketing. We probably spun. Oh, 30, 40 articles, op-eds, et cetera, out of the re-engineering concept over a period of five years or so. Nice, nice. So, you know, it wasn't one article per concept. In mm-hmm. other words, and this is where, you know, if you develop, develop a deeper point of view, uh, there are all sorts of, of uh, publishing opportunities that will... Uh, yeah, many threads up. that sort of come out of that, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, for instance, we're developing, we're helping a, a, a large Consult, well, say mid-sized consulting firm right now to develop a point of view on a topic that you'll see in January. Um, you know, we are recommending to them, and this will be a 100-page, the, the first uh, introduction of the point of view to the market will be a 100-page research report. Well, there are at least two dozen articles that can be carved out of that, that 
a hundred page point of view. Yeah, that sure. are that are slices of the point of view, not the whole point mm-hmm. of view, but slices of it. Yep. And that's where you know. The, 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 but you're right about publishing cadences. You got to get a lot of stuff out there repeatedly. And if you think of of thought leadership marketing as well, you know, we'll write one article and then we're on to the next point of view. Then then that that's to me is not the right way to look at it. Is to say yeah, I how agree. could we? You know, there's economies of content. Meaning, you know, when you have compelling content, you can slice and dice it many, many ways. When you have not compelling content, you can't slice it many ways. It, it, you, you really are left to one article, you know, and then you're on to the next idea. Yep, that's a very good point. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Bob. I really appreciate your time. And for our listeners, now it's your turn. Please let us know if you have any secrets that you're willing to share with us on thought leadership marketing. We'd be glad to keep this conversation going with you online, and we'll be back again next week with another podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to having you back next week on another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast.